0: Will you stand with me, continue standing with me a little bit longer? I promise, just a few more moments. If you got a Bible, go to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. And as you're turning to Acts chapter 4, we're going to be looking at verses 23 through 31. You will see that reference on the screen there. And as I hear my favorite thing, which are pages of a Bible turning, as we look at Acts chapter 4, uh, we notice that the the believers are gathering together after their fearless leaders have endured persecution as they've stood before the council of the Sanhedrin because of their healing of a crippled man in the name of Jesus. They are warned that they shouldn't do this and here they are released after they have been beaten and now they are coming together And in verse 23, we see what these believers are doing. When they, Peter and John, were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, Who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus whom you anointed, both Herod and the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. This is God's word for God's people. Gracious Lord, pray that you would bless the reading and hearing of your word. We know that faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word of God. Would you send your Holy Spirit to open the eyes of our hearts? Give us faith. Help us to submit and respond to the truth of the text. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Watched a video this week that surfaced on my Facebook feed. There are many things that can surface on a Facebook feed that are not necessarily pleasant. Can I get an amen on that? But certainly this was a pleasant thing to behold. As I was watching this video, it was a group of high school football players that it, what i can tell is that they had concluded their football practice and they're all rallied together um, they look like they have done some some awful work where they're sweating dripping of sweat and there's this one y- young man that's rallied all these football players together and he's like shouting aggressively Uh, almost as if he's the coach of the football team, but he's rallied all these guys together and they're coming together and he's aggressively speaking these words and they're speaking it in unison with him. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. They're literally shouting the Lord's Prayer. I don't know if this is the Lord's sense of humor, since I mentioned how high school football teams or high school athletic teams love to have the Lord's Prayer as a conclusion of their practice. If uh, you weren't on a high school football team or a baseball team, this was common practice for those of us that are Clay High graduates. But what's happening is all these young men are rallying together and having a rally cry and it's almost as they're militant. Like the guy was preaching the prayer aggressively. What I think's interesting is, is if high school te- a high school football team can aggressively petition and incorporate the Lord's Prayer in the life of their football team, how much more should the Lord's Prayer be on the lips and in the life of the bride of Christ, the church of Jesus, whom was purchased by his own blood and the very blood that Purchased us is the very good news that commissions us to make disciples of all people. Shouldn't that be present in the people of God? The Lord's Prayer. See, as you look at the text, as you see in Acts chapter 4, while they're not necessarily quoting the Lord's Prayer verbatim, there is some evidence of the reality of that kingdom prayer that we looked at last week. Just notice in the text, verses 20 through 31, that there is an acknowledgement of a king. Look at verse 24. He says, when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Like, he's coming to this moment where all God's people are acknowledging the kingship of God. But it's not just them reciting the Lord's Prayer, and it's not just them acknowledging the kingdom or the king. Something much, much more at work here. The reason I'm coming back to revisit the kingdom prayer or revisiting the idea that prayer in the life of God's people, the church, or in the life of a Christian, is incredibly important. As we talk about our mission at Doxa Church, we want to fill inches of the earth with the glory of God by helping people behold, obey, and be transformed by the gospel of Jesus. That's how we accomplish the mission of making disciples. And what we discussed last week is that we can proclaim the gospel and we can be God's people making disciples, but it is prayer. It is the prayers of God's people that powers us to accomplish our proclamation In our obedience to make disciples. Prayer is not some added thing that a Christian or a church incorporates on occasion. It's literally us living as if we have nothing else in this prayer, in our prayers to God, is what carries the Christian through life. Prayer is the perfect acknowledgement that you're weak, that you're helpless, and you need the Lord's help. Do you see prayer that way? See, these men and women that are gathered together after circumstances of their leaders being held accountable for their actions of being obedient to do ministry in the name of Jesus and do a miracle and perform a miracle in the name of Jesus, they didn't go and figure out whether they should leave the city of Jerusalem. They didn't decide, what should we do to be secretive about our ministry to be witnesses in the city of Jerusalem? They didn't even come and have a meeting deciding, well, is there certain words that we can say so that we can be fruitful? Their first response to the circumstances that they had been subjected to and the circumstances that they would face Potential and prominent persecution that would take place in the life of the church. Guess what they do? They pray. They pray. And what's distinct about this prayer is that much, maybe to my own disappointment, this prayer is not something that's merely functional. Do you know what I mean by functional? Functional means that prayer just works for them. And it works when it's convenient for them. What you see in this prayer is that you see that prayer is formative to their life as God's people and their life as a Christian. If we only pray because it works, we're missing the boat. See, these men and women, the believers that are praying for boldness, do not see prayer as some instrument that is useful on occasion. They literally are staking their life on the fact that I am going to pray because it forms every bit of my life and being. Do you see prayer that way? See, as these men and women come together, they are allowing themselves to see prayer not as something that's useful, but something that's uniquely valuable for the Christian. So I want us to look at this, and I want to look at two things from the text. I'm not really preaching a sermon, but I know it feels like I'm preaching a sermon. But I'm going to make two observations from the text, and then I want us to respond together. The reason I want us to respond together, because I think that there is the word together, the voices together that we see in verse 24, I want us to have a together moment. I can't say that what happens in verse 31 is going to happen. It surely could happen, right? Do you see what happened in verse 31? The whole place was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Surely that is within the realm of possibility. I don't know if you have that expectation that when we pray, that could happen. Do you believe that? But these two observations that show that the people of God see... See, prayer as a means of spiritual formation, not just merely functional, useful. Notice just the first thing that verse 24 says what? And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of your father, David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, See, look at the focus. It doesn't start with them. Who does it start with? It starts with God. Do you you see that that's the same way that the Lord's Prayer starts? Our Father who art in heaven? Here, the people of God embodying the very thing that Jesus said is the characteristic of the people of God. Prayers are to God. I know that sounds very simplistic, but our prayers must begin with God. And their circumstances surely just prompted the heart to turn them to God, but they didn't start with themselves, they started with God. Do you ever pray like that? Those who understand that prayer is not merely functional, they understand that it's formative, informative to their relationship with God, understand that prayer starts with God. But it's not just God. What does it say? Verse 24. It says, Sovereign Lord who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. A good prayer. A prayer that is spiritually formative for the people of God and for a Christian sees that God is the goal of prayer. It's not about getting something from God. It's getting God. Do you see that? Do you see that? How often do you approach God so that you can get something from God rather than getting God? This is what the people of God are doing. Their circumstances prompted them to go to the Lord, but it was going to the Lord not merely so that the, they could request verse 29, look upon your, their threats and grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness, they don't arrive at that petition requesting God to do something for them before they acknowledge God. What if we started looking at prayer as less functional and more formative to understand that we are getting God? It's about getting God. The thing that we as a church, you as a Christian if we hope to flourish in this mission that God's called us to fill these inches of the earth with the glory of God, it's understanding that prayer is the means of communing our hearts and knitting our hearts with the soul of God. Our soul and God knitted together. It's coming before the Lord and understanding that I get God. Psalm 84 2 says, my soul longs, yes it faints, for the courts of the lord my heart and my flesh sing for joy in the living god Friends, if you and i approach this kingdom prayer in this kingdom life to make disciples of all people it's seeing that prayer is a means of fostering the spiritual relationship with god because you're with god it's not in my notes, but I'm going to say it. Think about Isaiah and Isaiah 6. When he encountered God, guess what it did? It caused him to fall on his face, make a confession, right? And then the angel came and took the coal, purified him, and then he does what? He spouts off, "God, help me. Send me out." Do you see the, the he got God And when he got god it changed him and when it changed him it caused him to want to be sent out see our prayers are changing us not changing god it's not about us changing god's mind it's about god changing your mind about who god is look what it says it says sovereign lord who made the heaven and earth it's prayers that see that god himself is the goal Forming us and we acknowledging everything that God is. He's, they're worshiping God. They're acknowledging His character, but here they are worshiping God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in it. So good prayer is that you see that God is the goal. That's what prayer actually is. It's you getting God. You voicing to God's ear so that you can get god second a good prayer as we see in verse 24 not only is focused on the fact that you pray because you get god but two a good prayer that forms us spiritually look what it does and when they heard it they heard the report they heard the circumstances they heard what they had experienced that they had been them flogged because of doing ministry and living on mission for Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus Christ, they lifted their voices, what? Together. Spiritual formation in the life of God's people is together. It unites the people of God in their hearts together. Together. This is why in a worship gathering or in a small group, or at your kitchen table with your children, or with your spouse, is that you are coming together and uniting your hearts with God's heart. Here they are. All their circumstances prompted them to get to God, but they were getting to God together. So this forces us to kind of push on some reality, is that... Here's what happens in the mind and heart of a person that sits in a worship gathering or sits in a small group is that you become a spectator. Do you know that? You can just start listening to the eloquence of another person that's praying and you get caught up. I wish I prayed like that when, in fact, as I read the text, it says they were doing it together. I'm going to infer that there was this unity, this shared Unity and they're participating together, acknowledging the sovereign Lord. So the good news is that we come together. Is that I, as a pastor, anybody that's a worship leader, anybody that hosts, or anybody that leads a small group, anybody that does kids ministry at Doxa Church, that when we pray together, I don't want you to just listen to me. We don't. It's, the goal is not to be impressed by me. It's not to be impressed with anybody here. The goal is us uniting together and sharing in prayer to a sovereign Lord. So there's no reason for us to be spectators. It's an invitation for participation in the moment of pouring our hearts before the Lord together. Do you, pray, do you, do you find yourself as a, as a spectator or do you find yourself as a participant in the prayers that take place in here as we prayed for weeks and weeks and weeks that the Lord would open up the door, we'd finally be able to open? Do you just listen to those prayers? And are you a spectator or are you in the moment with us? Praying and asking the sovereign Lord to do what only the sovereign Lord can do. See, it's uniting our hearts together. So as you look at the text, you don't see them looking at prayer as some functional device. You see it as formative. It's fostering unity in the life of the church and it's fostering relationship with God because it's assuming this, that prayer does this every time, is that when you pray, you are confessing your dependence in God, in God alone. And as you look at the text and as you see in verse 29 into 31 and as you see repeatedly, these men and these women, this early church, do not expect anything to happen by their own merit, their own morality, their own methods. It's totally dependent upon God. Like the the health of Doxa Church to see any person that sits in these chairs that maybe comes into this room or maybe sits at your dinner, dinner table, I know that it's not writing on me. It's not writing on my ability. It's totally riding on God. They know that they can't do any of this without the help of God. Everything rested upon what? The sovereign Lord who made the heaven and the earth. Do you find yourself in that Moment Where you see that prayer is in assuming that you're depending on God, you're expressing your faith in God, you get God and you're doing that with God's people and you're resting in the fact God is the one who's going to change not only you, but he's going to change any person that you have on this white card that we have put in front of you and will put in front of you and will pr- prompt you to do on Numerous occasions throughout your week is that we're asking in this card where we're having prayers for a lost and prodigal. I'm praying for so-and-so or I'm praying for this environment, God, that you would show me if this person needs the gospel or I'm praying for this person. I'm going to God and I'm asking God to do what only God can do to change the human heart. So I want us to stretch out our hands and our, I want us to open up our hearts just for a few moments and I want us to come before the Lord right now. Not as a function. This is not for me to get to the next point or even functional to get to the end of this. I'm asking you to participate in this moment that we come before the sovereign Lord together and ask God to bring His kingdom to this earth. So will you do that with me?